0: what's going on ladies and gentlemen saints and inks welcome to lactic acid i'm your host dominique smith as always thank you so much for your support Really do appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed the Nurses Day series that we did and rather the Nurses Week series mixed in with National Professors or National Teachers Day. Um, Really hope you enjoyed it. It was a blast to get a chance to record and get a chance to chat with some of the awesome people doing great things to the community on the track, on the running course and off the running course. So definitely check those episodes out if you have not already. We are going to be producing some awesome content We are so close to the world championships. It is awesome. You definitely want to stay tuned to this channel. Um, We have some special guests going to be doing some different projects here soon. So definitely stay tuned to that. Today, someone who very well might be at those world championships, I'm actually going to go on the limb and say she's going to be at those world championships, is Olympic javelin thrower Liz Gleedle. Liz is awesome. Now, I have to warn you, we had some technical difficulties zoom just flipped out for the both of us and so we had to um kind of go back and piece it together but it's still good quality you're still gonna love it trust me i would never let you down where that's concerned um but we talked about the importance of having the proper mindset specifically in the mornings her start in the javelin. We talked food, always got to talk about food. She introduced me to chili chocolate, which I still have not found, but I am getting hip to the concept. We talked about that, we talked about life in Canada, the legacy that she hopes to leave and how she wants to make an impact. And I'm actually working on a written story on Liz for FanHub TF. So please be sure to check that out next week. Next week, check that out. You'll get a chance to know more about Liz's new business, how she's looking to make a difference in just the lives, not, a, not only uh for those on the track but off the track as well is pretty awesome liz is the best and it was an honor to get a chance to chat with her and have her on the show now do me a favor first and foremost if you're not following the youtube channel please 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 follow the youtube channel plastic acid podcast or Lactic Acid with Dominique Smith. There are some exclusive episodes on that channel, still debating if I'm gonna bring them over to the audio side. Probably we'll bring one or two of them over, Um, but we're doing some exclusive content and you definitely want to stay tuned, especially as we get closer to World Championships, the Prefontaine Classic as well. Um, Really looking forward to bringing some awesome content, working with some incredible creators, um, content creators, excuse me, and um, bringing back to you. So definitely stay tuned for that one. Um, Also, follow me on Apple Podcasts, Lactic Acid, Spotify, and just wherever else you get podcasts. Be sure to like the episodes if you do like them. And then if you could subscribe, I would love that. That way you stay up to date on all the latest episodes as they drop. And then, and then, and then. Be sure to leave a nice review. It helps the algorithm. It helps people find the podcast. And I would greatly appreciate that as we try to grow this family, grow this audience, grow this fan base. Hopefully I have at least one fan. Well, I do. My mom. Shout out to my mom. Um, So yeah, do that. Follow me on Instagram, Acid underscore pod. Twitter, Acid underscore pod. Instagram is actually Acid podcast. I say this all the time, so I should know. Um, TikTok. Yeah, go ahead and follow me on that. I, I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I really don't. You young kids, bless your hearts, you know how to do it. Help a brother out. Um, and yeah, those are the places you can find me. And then follow the website, lacticacidpodcast.org. And if you are interested in sponsoring the show, shoot me an email at lacticacidpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to chat with you. Would love to talk to you about bringing your brand to our family. Until next time, I hope you all enjoy the episode. All right. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, Sanks and anks, and welcome to Lactic Acid, the podcast where the takes are fresh, the ideas are ripe, and that makes us the best in the bunch. I'm your host, Dominique Smith, and today I have one of the goats when it comes to the javelin. One of, actually, she is the best Canadian to ever pick up the javelin, the spear or sphere, however you pronounce it, you know, pronunciation is not one of the things that we specialize here on the show. We keep it 100. And we have one of the best to do it. Miss Liz Glito. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join the show. How are you doing?
1: I'm real good. I'm excited to be here. So it's nice to always fun to do a podcast.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. So I have to ask you what I ask everybody that steps foot on the show. If you had to pick a superhero to describe your game as a javelin thrower, who are you rolling with?
1: Hmm, I was actually thinking about this because I listened to Kara's podcast and she gave a fantastic answer. Um, and I was kind of, I was, I was interested because I was, I was thinking about like superheroes or something like that. And I was like, I don't really identify with like a lot of these heroes. because I don't have some super dark backstory. (laughs) Um, And she gave, I love it. She gave like a comedy and I was thinking about it and I was like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched this show. It's called why women kill. And it's about these three women who are, have been wronged in some way in their relationship. And it's at three different time periods, all in the same house. And they go back and forth between these stories. And this one woman is, her name is Simone, and she ends up finding out that her husband has been using her as a beard for years, but they're best friends, and she goes through this really interesting, all these phases of, like, grief and anger and denial and all these other things, and then she kind of ends up realizing that she can't hold on to this, like, Intense personality that she's been portraying herself as. And she becomes this much more empathetic and deeply aware person. And she actually ends up assisting her husband in suicide because he's like come down with AIDS in the 80s. And I thought it was really interesting to see this woman go from like this really hard character to this really empathetic person who like saw the bigger picture and like what life was about and about identifying with things. And when I think about my journey in track and field, I really think I was. Like I was doing track to like be better and have status and like <laughs> accomplish something really big earlier in my career. And yeah. now I'm at a place where like I really want to give back and want to help out younger athletes. I really like I see the bigger picture and I'm able to step back from it. And so that was kind of what I thought was really interesting. I'm like what a strange character to like identify with, but really like it is like that growth is really something that you don't necessarily get in a lot of athletes if they haven't been in the game as long. And being an athlete into your 30s is a very unique experience because not a lot of people have the capacity either for like financial reasons, health reasons, you know, losing motivation, losing focus, whatever. So I think it's it's kind of interesting to be in it for the long game and to have a very large and obvious shift in perspective and motivation.
0: Have you seen the movie The Lost Woman or not The Lost Woman, The Other Woman?
1: I think I have.
0: With Remind Cameron me. Diaz, Leslie Mann, and Kate Upton.
1: So I tried laughing. That's what it was.
0: It's so funny that you said that. That movie was literally before this episode. I was just watching that movie. It was on Freeform. So when you kind of said, like, three women been wrong by three different times, I was thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, that that sounds. You're, you're, what you said is way better than the other woman, Um even though they got him at the end, they they just they messed him up. Yes. Um, yeah, but that that seems more mature and stuff like yes. that. So
1: <laughs> definitely not like <laughs> the same thing at all.
0: Okay. Yes, I just I don't know when, when you were describing that, I was like, oh snap! Like okay, like I can I can understand it, but yours is yeah definitely especially um, a lot of young athletes in this crazy sport you know, can use the guidance and stuff like that from veterans who, you know, understand the game and have a lot to give back. So I appreciate that answer. All righty. Speaking of Kara, she said something at the end of that episode, and I'm paraphrasing about the javelin, you being one of the best javelin throwers and having um, success in your career. She said that the javelin is essentially a sprint a jump and a throw combined the javelin is hard like living in Florida competing I threw the shot put in the discus javelin is something I wanted to try but it was banned while I was in school uh, because somebody got hit (laughs) stuff like that yeah so you know thankfully I think they are okay I don't think they died but you know obviously it's still bad but um no, it always like looked fun. And then you look at, you know, the technique and stuff. I'm like, oh, I don't know about all this. It's like my elbow hurts from just watching people throw and everything. What does the javelin mean to you? If that question makes sense.
1: In a kinesthetic perspective?
0: Just in general. Why why the javelin?
1: Why the javelin? Um, I was good at it. That was really the end of it. I, I pitched <laughs> Um, I played fastball for a long time and I basically stopped throwing things underhand and I switched to throwing sticks overhand and it happened really fast for me. I was kind of, you know, like we have two systems for doing track and field in Canada. You can do it as part of your high school, um, which is kind of like, it's not organized and it's not like you go to a certain high school to do track. It's not really like that. And then we have the club system. And so I would just mess around, throw a javelin two, three times a week between grades eight through 10. And then in grade 10, someone came and helped me out. And like, I ended up going from like 22 meters to 36 meters that year. And, wow. um, someone, I came third at British Columbia high school championships. And that was when grades eight through 12 all competed together. There was no separation between the grades. So someone's like, Hey, like, you're pretty good at this. Like you should go to provincials for your age group. And I was like, we have that. And they're like, yeah, it's the club system. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went and I won. And someone else comes up to me, like, congratulations, you've made the British Columbia team. You get to go to nationals. It's like, we have nationals. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really this. I like I've been like a B plus athlete all my life. I'm tall, I'm strong. I'm not coordinated or explosive. Sorry, I am now, I was not then. Um and so it just I was always a B plus athlete at everything. And when I picked up Javelin, it was just it was my niche. And the thing that I always tell Anybody who's younger, who doesn't feel like they're amazing at any one sport, I'm kind of like, well, you haven't found your thing yet. And your thing might not necessarily be something that you make a national team for, but like when you find your thing, it brings you a lot of joy and a lot of connection to your body. And that's what I love about Javelin is like, I was able to find my thing and find a way to feel connected to myself, connected to my body, kind of master of my own universe and like able to make choices and have them change my life in a really meaningful way. And so when I felt like I had that locus of control in my life, my life really took off because I became a lot more confident. I came a lot more satisfied with my efforts and it's really just been this job of refining um, how I move and how I think and how I actually want to go about my life. So it's, it's been this wonderful thing to just kind of let everything rotate around and change.
0: Wow. When you first started, did you think that you would reach the success? Reach the success that you know you've accomplished. No,
1: I didn't care. I was like, I was like, this is fun. Like this is great. And um, I remember in two thousand and eight, I had I hurt my arm a little bit that year. But then I realized that we had something called a rise and star standard in two thousand eight, and it was fifty six meters. And I would thrown fifty four, and I was like.
0: If you've heard me mention on the show that I hate technology, this was an example why after a brief technical difficulty, we are back. And so I'm going to re-ask you um, that question. And I think I forgot what I asked, but it was something. We're going to leave off. So you were saying, I asked a question, you know, did you feel that you would, did you ever think that you would achieve the success that you have, yeah. you know, earned? And then you talked about, you had a, you know, some arm it's issues gathered. and yeah the standard was like 56 and you were throwing 54.
1: Yeah yeah so I thought to myself well that's not that far I didn't realize I was that close and it was kind of at that point where it became on my radar that I could maybe make the Olympics not that I but I, I remember like when I was a little kid I remember this I think I was like in grade three or something they're like what do you want to be when you grow up do you want to be a firefighter do you want to be a doctor do you want to be an Olympian and I was like no it sounds like a lot of work I'm good. Like, <laughs> And I just thought like, like, cause my, I loves team sports and that's all I played when I was a little kid and it just like didn't jive with me. And so when I realized I was close, I was like, oh, okay. And so I was still training hard. I always trained hard, but I was definitely like partying in university and having like, having a really good time. Um, and when I realized that my idea of a good time involved becoming excellent of something, it started to shift how I spent my time, where I put my focus and how I focused. And so by the time I, I was like, when I started to realize that, you know, the quality of your training could really determine how fast you improved and like little things added up and it became a game for me. And so it was, it was really like when it became an option to make the Olympics it became something very different, but I never dreamt about it. I never thought about it really until 2008. And then it became a real reality where I was like, I want this in 2010.
0: It's so like funny, just you know, going through your social media and and just you know preparing for this interview, learning about you. You You've taken something so just basic and throwing a javelin, and you've turned it into this platform to really help people. Like you talked about the mindset of the morning, and Mm I listened to that in all the interviews, and I was like, I don't get it, because I don't listen. I don't do mornings. I thank the Lord for another day. And for the first hour and a half, I'm silent. Like, like, don't talk to me. Don't even think about looking at me to talk to me. And I don't drink coffee and stuff like that. Um, so I, I have to, like, you know, get ready to just, you know, get going, listen to music. But something as simple as how you start your day, um, you know, and the impact that it has and the impact that it's had on you and being able to adjust, it sounds like a strategy that you would use in the javelin and stuff like that. You know, just in case something goes wrong, okay, bam, you know, here's how you bounce back. The mentality that you take into throwing the javelin, it seems that you've taken it into life. How did the two correlate and when did you find like, okay, you know, the principles that I take, You know, when throwing, I can implement this into my day-to-day life and bam, you know, now you're catching W's instead of L's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the morning routine that I have, it's about kind of making sure that you're not in the red and making sure that you're in the green. That's what's more important. And I feel like, especially for a lot of people who feel like they're struggling to make changes or to make strides forward, The goal isn't to have like meditate for 20 minutes every morning and like do the exercise workout, a journal for an hour. It's like, no, like the goal is to choose your thoughts, feel good, be a little hydrated, like, and put yourself in a place where you can do what you need to do. And so when I like teach morning routines online, I host online events. Um, I host one called win the morning and I teach a five-step minimum effective dose morning routine. I don't expect people to do the entire thing. I say, if any of these stand out to you as the opposite of what you're currently doing in the morning, like you wake up and then you check social media and read your email and check Slack for the first 15 minutes of your day, maybe it might jive with you to check in with yourself first and have your own thoughts and know what you want out of your day before someone else kind of like crushes that because you're this beautiful blank slate first thing in the morning. Or maybe you just wake up and drink coffee instead of your computer. I say like, well, how does that make you feel for the rest of the day? How does your body feel? Maybe you wanna hydrate before you caffeinate because you know we function better when we hydrate first or maybe you wanna just go for a quick walk outside and you're not gonna have so much trouble sleeping because you've gotten sunlight on your face. And so like what you're doing with music, like you're obviously having a moment to yourself, you're connecting with yourself, you're creating energy for your day so that you can feel sustained and you're not talking to anybody else as you're protecting your space and you're choosing, well, you are because you're not being influenced by anybody else. You're actually like being with yourself and it helps you move forward faster. And so I think what you do in the morning has to be a reflection of what you want in your life, right? Like if you want, like, if you feel like your life is chaotic and you want peace, you're going to have a different morning routine than like doing a bunch of exercise or like, you know, uh, trying to like listen to motivational videos or like dance in your kitchen. Like maybe you just need some time alone to like drink your warm beverage and like journal. Like, so everybody is different. And what I try and get people to realize is that what you do first thing in the morning kind of sets the tone for the day. And it's kind of like you wake up and you're late. You're like, Oh no. And you like rip out of bed and you're panicking. And then the rest of your day, you're kind of in this mild panic and it's this butterfly effect and it affects everything else you do. So what I really think is that, like, how you start your day is incredibly important, and it increases the likelihood of you doing the things that you want to do and going the direction that you want to go.
0: Can we start calling you Dr. Liz? Like, <laughs> like get you, like, a little TV show from three to four. You could take Dr. Phil's spot. God, Sometimes I thought- maybe. I'm stars. creating online
1: courses right now for, uh, university athletes. And it's basically the concept of like, I want to create a high performance mini series. And it's basically like, I'm not asking you to go to sleep at 10 AM, 10 PM every night. I don't expect that to happen. I am going to tell you about like how little things might affect, like how getting a little bit better sleep might give you a really big return on investment. So that's kind of the next thing that I'm working on is like how little things provide really great returns when working hard isn't enough anymore.
0: Okay, so we for sure going to call you Dr. Liz because like, dang, I thought I was just like the Grinch in the mornings, but okay, I'm actually, okay, I'm self-loving, listening to my music. Okay, shout out to me. Yeah, I got you. I got you. You seem just willing to share your personal experience. Like I remember you were, you know, one of your Instagram posts, you were just talking about, you know, in college, um, you know, how you learned about alcohol and how it affected you know, everything and just giving people advice. And then obviously, you know, throughout your career, battling injuries, but not just, you know, talking about how you stayed down, but how you got up. Um, what gave you the courage to be so vulnerable to help other people, especially young athletes in this day and age, uh, you know, who are going through different things that maybe they didn't have to, you know, pre- previously go through, you know, at certain times in their life? Yeah, I don't know.
1: I think I am... Um... It, it's always frustrating when you feel like you have a struggle and you feel like no one else understands it. Um, and you see like, you know, you see it like other athletes and they're posting and maybe they're posting about products or, you know, they're out doing something and they look pretty or they provide like one inspirational quote, but like, you don't know them. And that's not what people relate to the most. And when I hear like someone's story and what's going on and like how they're dealing with it and you need to deal with it in real time and you're like, oh, this isn't like, yeah, sometimes every once in a while, it's like, oh, this was a start and this was the finish and this is how she got there. But every once in a while, it's like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm dealing with. And this is what I'm attempting to do because I feel like it's pulling me out of it. And I feel like those beginning steps are really, really important. And I didn't feel like I had that in some ways just because like the Canadian record is 56 meters when I broke it. And it, it was really cool. And it's been an honor to be able to like be on top for so long. But it's also this thing where it's like, you get there and then you feel this pressure to keep it. And it's not something you, it's different to chase something than to try and keep it away from everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's been this journey of kind of thinking like, wow, like where did I struggle? And like, how did I like, you know, like, I didn't feel like I had somebody ahead of me that I could ask questions to. And i kind of, I like this concept of like almost being a big sister to younger athletes because Like, I I like the concept of being open enough that people feel like they can ask me things. And I've received, like, messages from people, like, asking me, like, really personal things. And I was like, wow, I feel really honored that you chose to ask me this and trust me with this. And I'm so happy to help you with it. So it's, you just kind of get to this point where you're like, why did I do all of this? Because at one point, it was for sure just to, like, be sweet, like, personal glory, whatever. But you realize, like, that's not as meaningful if you don't pass it on.
0: That's deep. Like I said, Dr. Liz right here. This is first-class information. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we're going to get back to the javelin and some javelin-specific stuff in a minute. But the people on the show want to know more about you off the track. Who is Liz Gledo off the track? Tell the people, give the people what they want to know. You're not just athletes on it, you're people off of it. So that's what we want to know.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. I think like. I'm really silly. Um, I love being very lighthearted. I, I generally have this funny rule, um, where it's like, if anything really bad happens in general, I give myself two hours to be really upset about it. And I go full upset. And then I was like, life's too short, like get it out of your system and then move on. (laughs) And so like, it's kind of like life's really beautiful and it has its ups and it has its downs. But I think that like, I genuinely just enjoy having a really good time and the times where I've gotten too serious on stuff. It's, uh, it's really held me back from like the bigger picture of like, I love throwing and the years where I made it like, I need to accomplish X, Y, and Z. I wasn't very happy. So I think like being lighthearted about stuff is really great. And yeah, I love, I love talking to people. I'm a social butterfly. I'm the person at a party who just like goes from person to person to person like every like 20 (laughs) or 30 minutes having like deep conversations. And like, um, Obviously track and field doesn't allow for hyper socialization because you have to be recovering and you have to be looking after stuff. But I find myself to be really lucky when I have training partners that I can talk to and connect with. And that's been a thing that for sure brings me a lot of joy. Like I love hanging out with people. I love knowing what makes people tick. I love seen why people think a certain way. So I'm always down for a
0: really good conversation. I can see it. I can definitely dig it. So you grew up in Canada, born and mm-hmm. raised. Me being here in Florida, I have no idea what Canada is like. Can you, what, what, what was it like? What is, what is, what is Canada like? I'm genuinely curious. It's like tone
1: down Seattle.
0: So it rains all the time?
1: It rains all the time. It's green. It's a rainforest, but it's not cold enough to kind of keep you indoors. Um, okay. But it's cold enough that makes track pretty frustrating. Oh,
0: my gosh. <laughs> we don't yeah.
1: have indoor facilities because it's not cold enough. Um, so uh, that's British Columbia and Vancouver. But we have um, incredible food in Vancouver. Um, like that's what it's, I want to talk about. Yeah. It's expensive as heck to live there um, and to pay rent. But groceries, not a problem. Like, so inexpensive um really? and like going out for sushi there's like sushi amazing coffee like every other block basically or sometimes at multiple times in one block in any like major area um so we have amazing like coffee culture um asian food culture um yeah and it's just like in vancouver you basically like perfect day it's like get a coffee hang out um Grab some sushi, go sit on the beach, pan a little, maybe go for a swim while you look at the mountains, and then, like, hang out with your friends and, like, go do something outdoorsy.
0: It's, wow. Vancouver's pretty chill. Seems like perfect. Well, I hate sushi, so outside of the sushi part, uh, it's not that I hate sushi, it's just my fish has to be cooked. Like, sure. Yeah, that's, that, that's just a personal preference. Now, listen, y'all sushi lovers, don't come after me. This is just a personal preference for me. There's uh, sushi that's cooked that's cooked dish, too, though. But I mean, like, cook-cook. No, like, know? they have,
1: like, barbecued eel.
0: And, like, they'll... Like eel? That will
1: be the, oh, it's eel. so good. It's flaky.
0: Okay. Um, eel. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, okay. what does that taste like? It's delicious. It's... Yeah. I
1: mean, like they have it like sauce. So it's like barbecue sauce on eel and like people think of eel as like, I don't know what people think of eel, but like maybe they think of it as slimy and it's not, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like a little bit fattier than like salmon is kind of how i describe it. Like a nicely cooked salmon. Okay. It's, it's got a really nice texture to it. Like it's, it's not gross in any way. Like if you like fish that's cooked, like you'll like barbecue eel.
0: Can you fry it?
1: probably there's places okay. that do fry it there's like different types of sushi that are like like they fry the fish and like yeah
0: totally we'll yeah it. okay yeah i know there's some some tempura batter uh which is pretty much the only way i would try sushi eel barbecue eel yeah we don't have that in Florida, so. I, um, I'm just still trying to <laughs> wrap my head around it. I'm, Yeah, I just like eel like a slug, like these slimy creatures. Okay. Interesting. Yeah.
1: But I mean, like, so like I grew up in Vancouver. I lived there until 2011. And then I lived in Alberta for seven years. And you drive over the mountains, and it's completely different. It's, it can be negative 40 in the winter. Um, but then the next day, it can go up to plus 10 Celsius. And it's crazy windy, so Alberta, where I lived in uh, Lethbridge, sometimes, like on average, the wind that we throw with is about 30 kilometers an hour, I guess, like, what is that, oh. like 18 miles an hour. Um, but we pra- we cancel practice when I hit 65 K because that's when your feet start hitting each other and you like can't function, but most of the time we throw indoors. And so life is basically spent indoors. Um, and it's very, it was very eat, train, sleep for a long time. And now I just go there for camps. So it's, um, I go there for as long as it's functional. And then I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm cool. <laughs> I'd like to be outside.
0: Oh my goodness gracious. I bet the javelin is it's just, just you're launching throws, even with like an 18 mile an hour wind, like you're hitting world records, you know, throwing that. Uh, a lot
1: of the time, it pushes it down,
0: so it's uh, okay to it be
1: pretty frustrating sometimes. That
0: is that is true because with with like I've noticed with the discus and specifically a javelin too. Like if you don't get enough height on it and stuff like that, it just kind of sails down like a kite with a bad habit. So I definitely understand that. What's the go to food for you? Whether it's to For cook life. or to eat, just in general.
1: Um, I am the master of salads, of delicious salads.
0: Delicious salads. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'll, give yeah, me I'll a barbecue go-to.
1: some kind of chicken or fish or something. Okay. Um, and then I'll like, like my salads generally involve like something that's green, something that's red or purple, um, probably some like quinoa or lentils or black beans, maybe like a set of cheese. Um, I'll throw in like cilantro and mint. It's like a whole thing. Um, and then I'll make some kind of salad dressing with like, I like limes a lot. So like lime, olive oil, fish sauce, um, salt, pepper, garlic, like any of those, like anything that makes it like have some tang to it. Um, but whatever works with the marinade with the chicken. So I love, I love a good salad.
0: Oh, my gosh. This, this is some high-level uh, Food Network Chop Star kind of salad making. I can dig it. Wow. Oh, I, I have to step my game up because I thought I was riding high yesterday. I made, like, this little salad, you know, cut up some chicken, do some mozzarella cheese. I was watching Diners Drive and some dice. So I steamed it till it melted, and then I just put it on the Caesar salad. But this is, gosh, I mean, they your recipe. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, I'm always down to try new foods. I don't like quinoa. I think I tried it once. Yeah. And uh, it went on my hit list. I hate it. It just does not taste. Maybe because it was at a hotel and I don't know anything about quinoa. So maybe you have to season it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you need to have like it takes on the flavor of whatever you cook it. So I'm telling you,
0: Liz, I'm telling you, this was not seasoned. Like, they got this, and then whatever seasoning they put on it, I'm sure they went and boiled it in some waters to make sure that the seasoning went off and then gave it to me. Okay, so that makes me feel But I thought I was just crazy, but I'm like, no, nah, this tastes. People
1: don't like it, but, like, I mean, you could have couscous, and, like, this.
0: that's delicious. I love couscous. Wow. That is <laughs> some high-level salad making. Okay, what's the best one that you've made?
1: Um, Asian coleslaw salad.
0: Ooh. Oh. Yeah. So it's like it's a
1: greens mix that basically like we make a huge quantity of and then you can like add the wet stuff to it so to speak so it doesn't go bad. So it's um spinach, cilantro mixed, uh mint, um grated purple cabbage, Savoy cabbage, red onion, carrots and you mix that all up and then you make a dressing and you put in Olive oil, lime juice, fish sauce, uh, chili sauce, and some garlic and some salt, I think. I think that's, like, the main components. And then you can always, like, chop in, like, plums or chop up some chicken or, like, barbecue a salmon. Like, put that on the side.
0: That's, like, that's the salad go-to. So, so far in this episode, you are a national record holder, a doctor, and now a chef.
1: Devotional doctor.
0: Yes, so the jack of all trades, and we're finding out the master of every single one of them. Wow, that is that's crazy. What about guilty pleasure?
1: Guilty pleasure? Chocolate. Um, I don't even know if it's guilty, though, because I love 85% chocolate. So um, (laughs) I literally have coffee and chocolate like six days a week when I wake up.
0: Like dark chocolate or like milk chocolate?
1: Like dark dark chocolate, like 80 to kind of like 90% and like... Or maybe it has like chili or like orange. That's a real treat. Um, whoa, 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 that's what. That's the real guilty pleasure. Chili. Chili chocolate. Have you never had chili chocolate?
0: I've never heard of
1: it. Oh, you can get it like it's like lint and like any like bougie chocolate company generally has <laughs> an old, I and mean,
0: Y'all, we had another technical difficulty for whatever. Liz's internet is lit. My internet is lit. But for some reason, see, this warfare, I don't even care. It's bad. It's bad. But we were talking about chili chocolate. And you tell me bougie companies, chocolate companies, sells chili chocolate. Now, I've never heard of it. I don't think Hershey's has chili, like chili, like chili chocolate. Liz, (laughs) that has to be a Canada thing. I have never heard of that in my entire, in my my 20... My 28 years of existence. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
1: Yeah. No. It's uh if you go to like just like Lint has like all of those flavors and then like green and blacks, and like there's lots of companies. If you just go to Whole Foods chocolate section, you're in for a treat.
0: Go to Whole Foods twice a week. I have never seen it in Whole Foods.
1: You're about to be blown away when you go next.
0: Okay. I'm I'm going to I I'm I'm going tomorrow. Okay. I'm gonna email you like liz okay. uh, should i try it
1: yeah i mean like if you do like chili do you like chocolate uh, but, but that is such a weird combination it's not or even like have you had sea salt chocolate
0: yes it's just okay. like a little salty you know yeah thing
1: yeah, I mean, like orange is a safe place to start. If you like a little bit of spice and you like chocolate, you will probably like chili chocolate.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. I'm gonna try it. I promise you. I'm, go, I'm, I'm going to try it. So, I will try chili chocolate before I try. I don't even know if Florida sells eel, like. to be honest i've (laughs) never seen it before um so i have to add listen i i'd like to try weird concoctions all the time and so chili chocolate but with coffee though and i hate coffee like i think they should ban coffee so but the two just like and that's just that's just me personally i've already been tapped by coffee you know lovers it's okay i can take it
1: Melts in my mouth because my mouth is hot and then the chocolate is hard and then when i put it in my mouth it melts
0: I like that. Okay. You see, I can dig that. I can dig that. What if they made like a chili chocolate coffee though?
1: That's the thing though. Like I don't want my coffee like adulterated. I like the flavor of coffee. (laughs) I don't want like, you know, a hazel French caramel, like coffee. I'm just like, no, like they're trying to hide the flavor of coffee from people who want caffeine, but like, like in my family, we buy green beans in like 150 pound burlap sack and then we roast it. So we have fresh coffee.
0: I like that. Yeah, that's that's old yeah. school. That's legit. So I, I guess you're not a fan of like Duncan and Starbucks with their mocha frappa crappas and uh um, like, but not those
1: drinks. I'll have coffee, but like I don't I can't tell you the last time it frapped Chino or something.
0: Well they have like I know Dunkin' does, they have Girl Scout flavored coffee drinks.
1: That sounds like a <laughs> lot of chemicals and Sounds the, like I a lot it. of sh-
0: sounds like a lot of sugar like i've seen like the girl scout cookies i've seen like reese's and hershey's and
1: it's perfect just the way it is maybe with a little bit of butter and then you're good
0: but you see dark chocolate can't be considered a guilty pleasure because it's technically kind of healthy because it helps your heart
1: okay so guilty pleasure like chocolate ice cream like just ice cream because I'm lactose intolerant so it's absolutely oh guilty pleasure God. and it's only something I eat when I'm alone
0: ugh. I've, I'm so, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I feel so bad for people who are lactose intolerant like you, you I got to put you on the prayer list because ugh. I don't like,
1: like I like I love eating the way I eat it doesn't really bother me it's just kind of like and it keeps me in check for like eating the way I want to eat and eating healthy. And then when I have something, it's like, okay, like I'm going to, I might suffer the consequences from this, but I'm prepared to do it.
0: Well, that's the thing I kind of learned, do it in moderation. Like I tried to follow like a diet and then I don't, it's like you, you, you deprive yourself of like good food and then you like binge eat because you miss it so much. Um, but it I at think least
1: that's me. really like when you, when people say I'm depriving myself of something, I think it has to be in alignment with who you want to be, right? Like when you say like, like being an athlete, like I love being healthy. I love moving well. I love feeling energetic. Like I love, like my skin kind of freaks out when I have too much sugar. And like, I love being a healthy person. And when I eat in a way that doesn't support that, I feel out of alignment with myself. And so I don't have FOMO from like not eating pizza and ice cream and sandwiches all the time. I don't eat a lot of gluten. And so I think when you start to look at your diet as a pathway to either becoming or sustaining who you want to be, you start realizing, you're like, no, I'm like, I'm not really this person who has ice cream five nights a week. Like that doesn't really jive with who I am and who I want to be. And it stops being a sacrifice because it's not out of alignment with who you want to be.
0: I can dig that. I can accept yeah. that. But okay. if you're hanging
1: out with people who like want to do that and food is life and like, you know, like, <laughs> um, you know, like really like interesting contraptions and ice cream and like they're big foodies and then you hang out with them, you're going to feel out of alignment with your friends and you're going to feel like you don't have the same values and you'll either try and shift to share those values with your friends, or you're going to try and pull your friends the other way, or you're going to feel at odds all the time. And so people don't realize that there's that social pull, right?
0: Yeah. So,
1: it really depends on who you're hanging out with. Like if I'm hanging out with my friends who are not athletes, like, you know, they want to have a drink like, you know, four or five times a week. And like, I don't really drink that much anymore. So it's, you know, but like, I'll absolutely have a drink with them simply because I'm with them.
0: Life lessons, right? <laughs> like, like I said, that's so true. That is true. And I accept that. I accept that. I accept that. I will. Well, I don't want to say I'll reevaluate because I'm learning what you put in your body is what you're going to get out, and I like to have energy and stuff like that. So I definitely accept that. Okay, what is it like living consistently in cold weather? Because there's a part of me that actually is. Y'all can keep that negative forty stuff. Like, just I don't, leave. I
1: don't. That's not mine.
0: Okay, that's 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 a former. Like, that's that's the old. That's the old you. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, I would like a, a white Christmas that, you know, is not 85 to 90 degrees and, you know, stuff and have like be able to wear sweatshirts in December and stuff like that. But I'm always curious, like, what is it like growing up in like cold temperatures, especially for people who are more in a culture, an outdoorsy culture? Yeah. Well,
1: Vancouver is actually a very outdoorsy place. Um, people love to hike and rock climb. Like I'm outside all the time. Like I love going outside when it's raining and I can like go for a walk and I'm wearing like a full rain suit on, but like, it's so fresh. Like the air is just so, so, so fresh in BC during the winter. And it's so, um, it's so renewing and it's you like when you're wearing the right clothes, it feels great. And like, I don't even mind being cold because like, I love being too hot. And experiencing the struggle with that and working really hard through heat. But I also love the mental game of like being a little too cold. And like I've done hundreds of ice baths. Like, and I've, you know, like swam in the ocean. Like I swim in the ocean pretty regularly. Like to go for like cold plunges during the winter. And it's it's really invigorating. And it also kind of helps you realize that you're stronger than your perception of discomfort. And what people initially recognize as pain. And it was really funny because I know a lot of athletes have a really hard time throwing in the wind or throwing in the rain and it really psychologically messes with them. And so it's it's funny when I've gone to meets and it's like pouring rain and I'm like, whoo, this is my element. Like just keep it coming. (laughs) I'm ready. Um, I'm ready. Like it's it's not a problem for me. And so I think it's, you know, when you when you deal with elements that a lot of people consider adverse, you kind of come to understand them a little bit more and to enjoy them and enjoy their power. And I think it's kind of like swimming in the ocean, right? When the waves are rolling in and you're like, wow, I'm really small and I don't have power here and I can do my best, but I'm going to have to go with it and not struggle against it. And so I think there's kind of that mentality where things become, you you just become a little bit more in tune with how small you are. And it's Hmm. kind of a nice
0: feeling. Wow. I can dig that. Walking in the rain, that's a sinus infection for me, even with a wetsuit on, but still. uh, It sounds nice to have that perspective. And so let's switch over back to Javelin. What is a misconception about the event that you wish would be debunked?
1: um, Gosh. Um, You know what? I have one. You don't actually need to be as strong as you think you need to be. Um, you need to be coordinated and you need to time things well. And I think a lot of people, because, you know, like we want to try harder and especially like a lot of people who are doing track and field are like, you know, late teens or like twenties. And they are at that phase where like, they just, they want to, they want some to say like, jump this way. And they're like, how high? Like, and you just want to like, you want to work hard, but you want to be told what to do. And so what you you're told what to do, and it is your job to do it to the best of your ability. And so, although that's really important at a certain point that starts giving you diminishing returns. And so people start, you know, they're like, I'm going to have this huge squat. I'm going to have this amazing clean. My numbers are going to be huge, but the javelin is 600 or 800 grams. Mm -hmm. And Neeraj Chopra has like arguably like some of the worst gym numbers ever, but he's crazy coordinated and he's light and he's thrown 89 meters. And obviously like there's, different athletes have different ways of throwing and different prowesses. And like, I've had a really good match. I've had a really good clean. I've had like impressive numbers on some lifts and, you know, at one point they stop not returning on investment and specific strength becomes more important. Mm-hmm. And I know this because in, in my preparation for 2012, I lifted, I did Olympic lifts six times a week between Monday and Friday. I did doubles every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I threw 10 times a week. Um, I threw jabs six times a week. I threw balls, four times a week. And like, it was a brutal program, but like, it did get me to where I needed to go. But then I hurt my back in 2013 doing the same program just because I was moving incorrectly in very strong and powerful ways. And so Mm -hmm. it created some really strong imbalances and it really like pulled me out of alignment and it gave me some hip issues, which had nothing to do with my hip it had everything to do with my ribs. Um, but I did 10 months of pure rehab. There was no throwing, there was no jumping, there was no lifting, there was no running. Just rehab, and Oof. I remember I started by doing um, my lats did everything for me. My triceps wouldn't do anything, so I remember one of my exercises was doing tricep extensions, and I would just lay on the floor, try and turn off my lats, and do a tricep extension, just use my triceps. And I started by I could do it correctly three times in a row with one pound. Yeah, and I remember six months in, I'm so frustrated because I used to do pullovers with like you know. 110 pounds or something like that. And I'm so frustrated that I can't even do I'm like, I'm doing tricep extensions now and I'm doing it like three by 15 at three pounds. And I'm like crying at physio because I'm so frustrated that I can't even do stuff yet. And she's like, you do realize that you've gone from like one by three to three by 15 with an increased weight of 300%. And I was like, Oh, that's a really good point. Mm. And so I learned to move well. And by the time I came back in 2014 and I first started throwing, like it took me a minute to adjust, but I only did rehab and throwing. There was no, again, no lifting, no sprinting, no plyos, nothing. Just move correctly and throw javelin. And lo and behold, three months into throwing javelin at my first meet, I break the Canadian record by three meters. And I thought, that's really interesting. Obviously I have strength left over from my previous program and it absolutely served me. It's gonna take a while before that strength wears off. Right. but. I don't have to crush myself doing really hard exercises in this event. I need to move. Well, this is javelin. It is not CrossFit.
0: And so you
1: need to check your ego because it's more important in javelin to move well and to move through positions that you need to move through than it is to move through bad positions with a lot of force and bad positions with a lot of force is going to put you in trouble. So I think that's the greatest misconception because, you know, like, of course most javelin throwers look pretty fit and pretty strong and we are, but it's also a game of staying healthy. Javelin has the second highest rate of injury in track and field. So if you'd like to keep throwing javelin, <laughs> moving well and moving lighter, I find is way more important and it'll give you fewer setbacks, which means that you'll progress faster over a series of years, not necessarily within the series of like two months or a training cycle.
0: How much do you think overtraining is a problem in the throw, throwing community? Because I, I can tell you, I I did and this is just from my perspective in high school and I had to, you know, kind of learn certain things. I was on the weightlifting team, did track and field. So at certain points, especially in the off season, you're kind of doing double um, because, you know, one end you're trying to get swole and obviously you're trying to get to the max, but on the other end, like you're saying, uh, you learn quickly that your body is connected. And if, something goes wrong, then it could manifest itself in a different area. Um, but how much, you know, to your point, do you think overtraining instead of, like you said, specific training, um, you know, on, on your footwork, on quickness, on agility and things like that, how much of that is an issue?
1: Um, well, I think that for everybody, it's different and, mm-hmm. you know, I can't speak to other programs cause I don't know them, but I think that for me, I know that I'm overtraining when I don't want to be there Mm. because I love throwing and love pushing myself hard. And if I am at a place where I was like, I don't want to be here, like, (laughs) or like, I'm struggling to leave the house because I'm like, I do not want to go to practice. Like that's not normal for me. And so, you know, probably like once a month, absolutely. Um, it was falls within a certain cycle. Um, I like, I'm not going to the track. Like it's that day I'm not going, I don't care like I'm not going, I don't want to be there. But if you are regularly like once a week or twice a week being like, I don't want to go to track, like there's something going on, um, either with pain or with too much training, or you feeling like your training isn't specifically leading you to a better throw. Probably it feels like it's useless or like, it's not actually making you better. And so I think if you're an athlete and you really enjoy track, like you probably want to be there. And as soon as you start to lose that joy or like, If, you know, 85% of the time you want to be there, you're fine. If it's under 85%, you probably are overtraining or you need to rethink your program, or maybe you don't love track anymore, or maybe you don't love the place that you're at, or maybe you don't like the program. So, you know, overtraining is mental as well. And if your mind and body aren't at the same level of fitness or same capacity to hand it or your mind and your emotions, then that might be overtraining and everybody's different. And I think it's also that point of saying, okay, especially for athletes in school, like how much do I care about school and how much do I care about track? Because there's a balance there. And if you, it's your goal in life to be a doctor and track is a thing that you're doing to get your undergrad paid for and be realistic about your track goals. If you want to like make the Olympics or you want to see how far you can push it and you're willing to sacrifice your grades a little bit. Don't be so hard on yourself and your grades because that's going to make you burn out if you're trying to do both excellently. So I think finding that balance about, like I was a A plus student in high school. I went to university. My average was B minus because I cared more about track and I was okay with it.
0: Cs get degrees, people, trust me. uh um, Trust me. And a B minus is really good. Like in college, that's like great. That's deans So, okay. Not, not what I'm from okay well okay i'm sorry that's 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 just maybe here in florida but you know canada that that ain't they're not about that life that's fair that is okay what is what thrill did you have when you broke the canadian record like because that's a big big deal and you know i know earlier you said you know it's and that's true it's you know, in in certain sports, people use the phrase, it's different from being the hunter to being hunted, Uh, but you played both roles, but when you broke that record, like, like, what was that feeling like for you? It was pretty funny, actually. I was in Serbia, and I had food poisoning for three days. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: So, I remember thinking, I'm like, well, got nothing to lose, like, <laughs> <laughs> I popped out a 59 meter throw and I was like,
0: oh, okay.
1: Um, and it was, it was really exciting. Cause I felt like I'd done a lot of really great work that year. And I was frustrated cause I'd hurt my, I think I hurt myself a little bit in 2008 and I hadn't had the year I'd wanted to have. Um, and so it was, it was this moment of really realizing that like hard work builds up and it's not like any one day it's like, oh, like I've been feeling like garbage for three days but all the work that I'd done before has taken me to this point. And so I think I was just so relaxed cause I was like, well, guess it'll be whatever it is. And it made me stop trying so hard and it made me just trust the work that I'd already put in.
0: Got two more questions for you. What's been your favorite experience so far in your career? Um, whether it's the Olympics or um, I was gonna say breaking the record, but you have food poisoning. So nobody likes that. Um, but what, what what has it been? Um, if you can think think about
1: it. I mean, I got a couple, right? Um, some of them are based on achievement, but a lot of them are based on being around really good people. Like honestly, being in Trinidad and like hanging out with Keyshorn and like getting to know him well and working with him and being around people here has been awesome. And it's been about like this year, like literally my goals are to be warm, have fun and stay healthy. Like that's yeah. it those are my goals. And I was like, that'll probably make me throw far enough to have a good time. And I've been following that gut feeling and it feels really good to have it rewarded. Like, oh, I'm supposed to be here and I'm around the right people. And so, you know, when you have great conversations with people and you're on the same wavelength and you're just like making friends is honestly one of the greatest parts of track and meeting like-minded people who are on the pursuit of finding something like at the perfect throw but knowing that you're never going to find it, you might get close and you might never get close, but you are you love chasing something. So being here is definitely a highlight. Um, training camp in Jena years ago and training with Petra and Thomas and that whole group was really amazing. I uh, actually taught myself very bad German so that I could try and talk to Petra because she didn't speak a whole lot of English and like that was really fun and it was really neat to like see how other people did things. Um, Yeah. And then I think after my first Olympics as well, I, uh, I was kind of like, I'd really invested myself for two years and given up where I live, my friends, my, like my, I paused my school. I like trained like a maniac and I really invested myself in something. And it wasn't even about the accomplishment. I was amazed that I made the final and like thrown close to a personal best at the Olympics, but it was this feeling of, Oh, if I want something bad enough and I kind of put my eggs all in one basket and I pursue something wholeheartedly, I'm going to get somewhere really interesting. And it might not be exactly what I thought it would be, but it's going to take me to the right place. And one of my favorite sayings is universe gives you what you need, not what you think you want. So it was kind of this aha moment of like, oh, if I just point myself in a direction and don't spread myself out. So then really interesting things are
0: going to happen. Your story has been one of overcoming obstacles and finding the greater good um, and achieving success, you know, through that. Uh, you know, you talked about your injuries and I know in other shows you mentioned, even in 2016, um, if I'm not mistaken, you suffered, you know, a bit of a setback. Um, you talked about, you know, 10 months, no training, um, and then you come back and then you break, you know, the national record. And so you've overcome these obstacles and you've achieved great success. But from just even our conversation, you've achieved inner success because you have this incredible perspective on life. What is it that you want? And this is a two-part question. When this all said and done in the sport, What do you want your legacy to be? And what do you want young athletes coming in behind you to learn from your journey?
1: Um, Well, I mean, it's really neat to see right now. There's actually quite a few good female javelin throwers in Canada. They're all pretty young and hungry and it's really exciting to see people doing well. And it felt like there was a bit of a vacuum before. So I'm really excited about that. I'd like to hope in some small way that like the fact that it was just me and, <laughs> um, you know, there was like, i am also like, I'm getting older, like, obviously I'm going to retire soon. So people are you know, like, Ooh, like could be me. Like I could go behind this. Right. And I remember, um, Alex who broke my youth record, uh, with a 600 gram javelin because she competed as a junior when she was wow. still a youth. Um, that was a really old record. That was a 17 year old record. And she's like, I've had my eyes on that record for years. And I was like, wow, I'm so happy that I was able to leave something that was inspiring to someone else to push themselves. So that's one thing. It's nice to know that like I've pushed the standard higher so that people have something like hard to go after. Um, But the other thing is, I guess I, I would like a lot of athletes to know that there is a point in your career where working hard isn't going to do it for you anymore. Like it's going to be, that's just the standard. Um, and there's, but there are little things that you can do that make a really big difference. And I would love to increase the awareness of what those things are and what reasonable minimum effective dose things can start because a lot of people will start a habit and they're like, Oh, I need to be like, I'm not getting eight or nine hours of sleep. Like I'm not doing it. Right. But even increasing your sleep 30 minutes or increasing the quality of your sleep or being aware of what caffeine does to you and like, you know, changing it appropriately or being aware of how the alcohol affects you and, you know, just being a little bit more selective with when you party or how hard you party. And I would love to increase awareness about all the little things that athletes can do that make it so that less of them quit as early because I am not the most talented athlete out of the pool of high school and university athletes that I Hung out with like I'm not the most physically gifted person. I'm tall, I'm strong, but there was people who had way more in the tank than me. And you know some some situations were situational where they just didn't enjoy track anymore or something came up. But I really feel like a couple of them could have taken it further had they had better tools at their disposal. So that's kind of what I'd like to do. Is like I'm creating a course. I'm calling it the Varsity Glow Up, and it's gonna basically be a mini series of small courses where people can take a habit, try it out, see how it affects them, and realize that small things do make a really big impact and that they're, they may have been plateauing, but the next phase is really mental and good habit choices. And it's not just working harder and banging your head against the wall, hoping it's gonna work.
0: I love that. I love that. I think I'm gonna write about that. Definitely. We're to our final segment is called down the home stretch. Now I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions and I want you to answer them to the best of your ability, as fast as you can. If you don't, it is really okay. Seven or eight people have answered it with our reigning champion being Miss Kara Winger, Mrs. Kara Winger, uh, who answered them quick, fast in a hurry because she attacked that challenge like it owed her some money and she put on for the javelin community. Liz, are you ready? Sure, let's go. If there was a food that you had to live with and live without, what would it be? What would they be? Live with garlic,
1: live without peppers.
0: Live with garlic, live without peppers. Okay. If there was a theme song that you wanted to, or if there was a theme song that was played to describe your life, what would it be?
1: <laughs> Star Wars. What's going on? Okay. But you're going on an adventure.
0: I like it. I like it. Okay. That's Wow. Okay. I'm going to ignore that. All right. If you had to pick, if they made a movie about your life, as you see, I'm not inclined to cinema and and stuff like that. So if they had to pick a, oh gosh, if there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play your character? Mm Someone who's jacked,
1: but maybe they just have to work out really, really hard to get there. So whoever would work out the hardest.
0: Okay. Do you have any actresses in mind? Mm,
1: I mean, if Uma Thurman was still like 25 or something, I'd say Thurman.
0: I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Uma, I think you should do it. I think you should do it. If you had to pick someone to narrate you throwing the javelin, so just step by step, who would you roll with?
1: Ooh. Ooh, Samantha Jones from Sex and the City. She'd make it sensual.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, that's, that's certainly one way to bring eyes and attention to the sport. A great voice. Yeah, okay. Can control. Okay, Samantha. You know got a job offer for you need you to be a a commentator for track and field specifically the javelin okay i got you if what was the last tv show that you've pinch watched
1: oh brooklyn (laughs) 99
0: that was a good one best meal you've had so far in trinidad and tobago Mm, double what doubles doubles what what is that
1: um it's basically fried dough with chickpeas like a curry and then some chutney that has like cucumber in it and it's really messy if you look at my instagram there's a video of me eating it and there's a moment where the spice hits me and my eyes just go like (gasps) but it's still really good oh wow
0: that is something that sounds pretty good anything that's fried is okay with me all right a couple more favorite vacation spot
1: i don't take vacations okay probably lots of hiking cool trees
0: Beautiful waterfalls. No days off. I feel that dream vacation spot.
1: Dream vacation spot? Maybe Thailand or something?
0: OK. If they had to put you on a Food Network show, what would it be?
1: Ooh, um. I don't know. I don't watch Food Network shows, so I can't name one. Um, but I guess it'd be one with relatively healthy cooking. Um, yeah.
0: Okay, so you won't be on Food Network. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) If you had to guess, be a guest on any television show or television series or talk show, what would it be?
1: I don't know. Maybe like, maybe the Amazing Race, because that could be super fun. I feel like going on like Bachelorette or something would be like a disaster, and I have no interest in that.
0: That's the worst show on television. Just, just my opinion. It is. I know this is not good. (laughs) No, it's messy, and people, billions of people, watch it. I don't understand. Watch track and field instead. It's way better. There's way just as many storylines. All right, last question. Why is the javelin the best event in track and field, and why is it the toughest event?
1: Oof! Uh, You're always in pursuit of the perfect throw. You're always changing your technique you're always learning something new and it's yeah I think it's just incredibly complicated incredibly explosive and you can always get better you'll never reach your peak
0: Liz you have completed down the home stretch and you actually are the champion because that was faster than Kara answered it so sorry Kara you're second place Liz you win the gold medal that is it that's That's why the javelin is the best. The javelin throwers come on here. They take it seriously. You've mastered the perfect throw. And so last question for you. What can we expect from you this season?
1: You can expect me to have a smile on my face a lot of the time. Um, I'm making a lot of technical changes right now, and it's a little scary. Uh, But I'm in a place where I fully committed to it, and I'm trying out some new things. So, you know, you can see me having a good time and trying to live my best life, but trying to pursue excellence just through taking some risks.
0: Where can the people find you?
1: I'm at Java Liz, so J A B E L I Z Z on Instagram. I have Twitter and Facebook, but I don't really use them. <laughs> so I'm, I'm most active on Instagram.
0: Graham is where it's at and you have some awesome business endeavors and make sure you go on her website to check those out if you want her to speak if you want Dr. Liz to speak to you and speak to your life you need to book her right now uh you will definitely be be the better for it thank you so much for coming on the show sorry everybody for the technical difficulties technology hates us they don't like it when professional doctors come on the show spit great knowledge talking about the javelin and everything hope you guys enjoyed it you know where to find me lactic acid podcast on instagram lactic acid underscore pod on twitter y'all still got a TikTok that i don't know how to use will not pay attention to it but i still want you to follow me at lactic acid with Dominic smith check out apple lactic acid podcast you can find this everywhere where you get podcasts leave a thumbs up and it helps the algorithm it helps more people find the show listen to it youtube we're popping on that channel we have some exclusive episodes on there as well thank you so much and we'll catch you next time